0: Broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio, this is Raider Nation Radio 920. (laughs) Unnecessary Unnecessary Roughness. I think this, that somewhere within the first five to ten plays of the game, the other team's quarterback must go down. And he must go down hard. It's Unnecessary Roughness. Here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Here's your boy, Q.
1: And here we are kicking off our number three of Unnecessary Roughness here on Raider Nation Radio 920. I'm pleased to have on the phone lines our good friend from The Athletic. That's Mike Sando. And, Mike, thank you so much for your time this afternoon. And it's probably been about a week and a half, maybe even almost two weeks since you put out your your piece about the quarterback tiers. But I wanted to catch up with you. We talk about it each and every time that you put them out. It's always a great piece. Uh, there was a lot of. I don't want to say controversy, but there's a lot of conversations about that piece and a lot of it had to do with Lamar Jackson of the Ravens. Uh and, and what were your thoughts when you heard the feedback from multiple people about Lamar Jackson and where they had him ranked even though yeah. still a tier 1 quarterback? There was there was a lot of mixed reviews on Lamar.
2: Yeah, well, it's tier 2. He's in tier 2. Okay, gotcha. uh, he he's got eight votes in tier 1, 34 in tier 2 and eight tier 3. three. So that's an unusual split, right, to have that many in tier one and in tier three. And I think it's really just how you value the position. If you think you have to be a great passer in order to be in the top tier, which most of the league does, then you're gonna keep him just short of that because when it's gotten reduced to having to pass the ball and you take away the run game and his run threat, it hasn't looked as good. Some of that could be their offense too, the type of offense they run is so tailored towards his ability to run and their running game. But that was really the debate. The what happened in the piece was I thought, you know, yeah, that, that component was expressed, but I thought it was really balanced. But as you know, in this day and age, they <laughs> can take out one part of it and play that as if that was the only thing that was written. And it got, a, it, got a little, uh, it got a little controversial there, but I don't think that was the, the intent.
1: No, I agree. I agree. And, I mean, look, the, the guy's a former league MVP, and, and as you mentioned, you know, the Ravens have built their offense also around him kind of to, you know, fit that style. But uh, what do you think that Lamar Jackson needs to do next? Where, where would yeah. his next step be to yeah. get into that Tier 1 and have no questions about it?
2: Yeah, well, I think that uh, as usually what happens, and it hasn't always happened in Baltimore, uh, usually what happens is you uh, pay the quarterback a lot of money And then you're not as good in other areas like the defense and special teams, which have always been really good for Baltimore. And this is a little bit, this this happens with a lot of quarterbacks. I mean, Russell Wilson, early in his career, had that great defense. They didn't have to really put it on his shoulders, right? So uh, they've put it on Lamar's shoulders in one way, uh, certainly running the ball. But I think he needs success in the postseason. I mean, that's really going to help him prove, uh, if it can be proven, that either he is good enough as a passer to do that, or that their current style is good enough to, to really go all the way. Because for a team that has won so much, I mean, look at their winning percentage, it hasn't translated to the postseason. And I think that would help him get over that hump and perceptions. Now, the contrast to that is Justin Herbert hasn't won. But everyone looks at how he's thrown the ball, and they think that's what you've got to do to win. Now, his defense special has been so bad that they haven't been able to, to you know, overcome that kind of like when... Breeze was really good in New Orleans, and they weren't able to overcome it. But that's a little bit of a reflection of what the league sees. It's always been that way. You always have to win, throwing the football to get the ultimate praise in the NFL. And that's what Rodgers has done. That's what Mahomes has done. Brady, now we have some young guys like Herbert Burrow in there because they can do that
1: talking right now with mike Sando from the athletic talking about his piece on quarterback tears and one question i had was on deshaun watson how difficult was it to tier him since he hasn't played for a year and the last time he was out on the field he had a fantastic season statistically but his team didn't really yeah. win that many games they only won four games how difficult was it to kind of come up with yeah. a, a tier for him
2: i think you got a mix you know i think everyone thinks that once he's back and is playing a long time he's you know, playing and gets back into it. That he's a low one or a really high two. That's kind of where he's been in the past. He was a one last year. You know, you sit out a lot, obviously, and you're going to down him a grade. If you had him as a one, you maybe you put him as a two. And then obviously, it's a new system. Uh, you would think his focus has probably been, you know, not 100 percent on football. Right. So there's going to be a transition period. But I think everyone feels like once he's back and playing, that he's going to be, you know, vying to be in that top tier, which. He was in last year. Right,
1: no doubt. And as far as we go, I mean, we're here in Las Vegas. Obviously, we're covering Derek Carr and the Raiders like a glove. Matter of fact, uh, they were in action last night at the Hall of Fame game. I'm actually in Canton, Ohio, right now for the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Derek Carr is right on the outside of Tier 1, number 12, and I think that that's fair. I think that's a really good spot for him. But you know the weapons that this regime has yeah. brought in for him. If he puts together a big monster season, where, where do you think that he could end up? Do you think he can have a chance to be that Tier 1 guy?
2: I think he can go to the top of tier two. Uh, okay. Now he is right now. So here's tier two: Stafford, Wilson, Watson, Lamar Jackson, Prescott, and then Carr. And then underneath him in tier two is Kyler Murray and Matt Ryan. I think really the top of that tier two is probably where he's going to be. I, I'm kind of I've been a little optimistic on them. You know, I think there's been so much uh, hype on Russell Wilson going to Denver, but mm-hmm. I, I like the combination of McDaniel's. Play caller. We'll right. see about the head coach, but mcdaniel's the play caller, with Carr, you know, with Waller, with Devontae Adams, with Renfro. I think that is a. Uh, I won't surprise me at all if that if they have as good or better of years Wilson's weapon. I really think that could be on the table for them. And if it is, and they have a little bit more success again, like they they got to playoffs last year, maybe they advance, uh, or maybe they just do well in that division. I think he would go up uh because of that. I think people have come around on him a little bit. You know the. Mm-hmm. The the knock on him coming out was didn't stand in there. Is he the toughest guy? All of that. I think last year helped him. Difficult year. Handled his business properly and uh, probably got a little boost because of that.
1: You know, I I agree with that 100%. And the other thing is that I'm seeing around the league the trend of all these teams going out and trying to team up their quarterback with their college wide receiver. You know, we saw it in Cincinnati. We've seen it obviously now in Vegas, and uh, we see it in Philadelphia. You know, they're going out and getting guys that are familiar to try to get on that same page as quick as possible. Do you think that trend is going to continue?
2: That's really interesting. You know, I think you could make a case that, you know why not do that now? Because you practice less than you used to, right? It's, it could be harder for those guys to get on the same page. I don't know that you would make that the deciding factor. I think it's a nice thing when it lines up with somebody you want to go get. And in, in the case of Devontae Adams, you know he, he he wanted out of Green Bay, so that was a huge part of the equation, right? I mean, you, there's probably a lot of things that have to line up to make that happen, and then the money uh, and all of that. But I think it's a nice bonus. You know, especially if they get along well together, there's some chemistry. Um, I do think that's a real positive.
1: Talking again with Mike Sando from The Athletic here on Radio Nation Radio 920 Unnecessary Roughness. Now, my well, man Damon's got another question for you, kind of taking another angle. Go ahead, Damon.
3: Yeah, Mike, in your most recent piece on, you know, comparing Hall of Fame receivers, you know, it starts with Don Hudson or Julio Jones, and you, I really like this piece because of the way you're breaking it down with numbers using pro football reference, shout out to them, on how to properly grade these receivers across different eras, and you said that you took this information and talked to it on your camp tour with some coaches and front office execs. Yep. How has that reception been, and how do people value that information that you've been able to collect?
2: Uh, They love it. You know, I think we all uh, love a good debate on this stuff, but I I didn't try to, you know, say I solved the whole thing. I think it's just a good way to look at how well everyone did in relation to their peers. Uh, uh, And so, yes, people, when I I bring out like a little printed out list of these guys, you know, and it looks just like it does in the piece on the athletic. And so when people get that, they, you know, they just don't want to sit down the sheet. You know, they, they start looking at it like, ooh, ooh, and then they go through some of the names. They go, oh, okay. Uh, they'll be like, "Hey, where's this guy?" You know, and you want to look and see, and then you can. It explains itself because you can see. Okay, I can see he's a little lower because he didn't have quite as many elite seasons uh, as this other guy. It really stacks out nicely. So uh, that made me excited to, to run the piece. Reception's been great too, just from readers.
3: Yes, and one player that I wanted to ask about in particular here on Radio Nation Radio is Cliff Branch because he is in the top 50 of the receivers there. But do you think that there's just such a logjam with receivers when it comes to putting up numbers and that's maybe why he had to wait so long to make it into the Hall of Fame?
2: Yeah, I think there's been a lack of understanding of numbers. You know, obviously the numbers have changed over the years. Um, uh, I think we're getting smarter uh, about having criteria to put people in the Hall of Fame. I think it was a little... Not random, but I mean there's just a little bit you know other factors could 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 come into place. you know could have been the team, could have been the volume of passes you were getting. Cliff Branch was a great deep threat, but you're right. maybe he didn't have just the absolute uh, you know numbers or the growth the raw numbers of 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 volume that somebody else would have had. but um, you know that's why we have the senior committee, you know to really take a look back and say, hey, who didn't but should have, right? And sometimes with time, um, you know, the right guys get in after all.
1: As far as, as Cliff Branch goes, if he were playing in this day and, and the way that they air it out and the way that they, you know, have the wide receiver like a Tyreek Hill just be that ultimate weapon, what kind of crazy numbers do you think he could put up?
2: Well, I think he, he would. You're right with the deep threat. Now, you know, teams would, be, would have to teams played a lot more man coverage, I think, back in the day, you know, yeah. and so a guy like Cliff Chris for the bump-and-run rules, once you beat your guy, I mean, you beat your guy, right? Um, so that would be a little bit different, but I think also nowadays the quarterbacks are more protected. The middle of the field is more open, right? You don't see Jack Tatum waiting for anyone in the middle of the field to, to ruin their day, right? So maybe there'd be more of the field available to Cliff Branch. Maybe he would evolve as a receiver, too. I'm not saying he wasn't a good all-around receiver, but, but we think of him as such a deep threat, maybe there would be more real estate for him to explore and more time for the quarterback to get him the ball because the quarterbacks are protected a little bit better, and I think you know the passing game certainly developed.
1: Right, no, no doubt about it. And, Mike, this has been fantastic. Before we let you go, I know you've been on a training camp tour. What has it been like? Uh, ha- have you seen uh, some teams that you kind of look at and you're very intrigued by by this upcoming season?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I was, in, uh, I was in New England yesterday, so I watched the Patriots practice. And I think, you know, one day you go into a camp. I don't really uh, – the reason I don't write about my one day in camp is you can't see a lot in one day. But I think the offense was struggling a little bit. You know, you can kind of see um, that you, – you, I went in wondering, you know, okay, what are their weapons? It's Mac Jones' second year. But uh, it, looked, it looked a little rough for them. And so it would be interesting to see how that develops throughout the course of the season. Defenses have a book on Mac Jones. Um, Did they do enough to help them, the coaching staff there, right? I mean, they lost Josh McDaniels. What did they really do? They've got some coaches that are in positions that you question, right, that they haven't had much experience in. So I think they're really interesting because Belichick's obviously figured it out for so long, uh, but you do have some questions about that offense.
1: Right, no doubt about it. Well, good stuff, Mike. We definitely appreciate you. It's always great to catch up with you. You got any uh, pieces coming out that we need to be on the lookout for, a little tease here?
2: Yeah, you know, I, I do have a couple, but I'm not sure what is exactly next. I'm, I'm about almost two weeks into this road trip, so I'm going to get home and sort through the notes and definitely come out with a couple things probably starting next week.
1: There you go. Well, when you get to Las Vegas, man, look us up. Make sure you holler at us, man. We'd love I to can't catch up wait. With you.
2: Yeah, I really want to. I, I, I missed that this spring, but I, I want to do that. the Vegas and the two L.A.'s little road trip. would be great.
1: There you go. Well, thank you so much for your time this afternoon, Mike. We definitely appreciate you. Okay, we'll see it. All right, there he goes. Mike Sando from The Athletic here with us on Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920.
0: And now, thanks to Subaru of Las Vegas, let's go back to Canton, Ohio for more Unnecessary Roughness with your boy, Q.
1: Been asking the question, what stood out to you the most from the Hall of Fame game or who stood out to you the most? Who took a big step in earning the job and who didn't? 702-365-9200, 702-365-9200, Raider Nation listener line, Ash text line 69187, keyword R&R. Nate Hobbs stood out to me in a major way, him, standing, him, him being outside in the boundary corner. Thought that that was big. Uh, seeing the plays get called in pretty quickly, having a rhythm. If you missed the first hour of the show, Nick Shook from NFL Network, that was something he was talking about. They were snapping the ball with, you know, like 10 seconds still le- left on the clock doesn't happen all the time you know they were getting the plays in really quickly everyone was getting lined up really quickly and it wasn't like they were going fast but they just knew what they were doing they were in a nice little offensive rhythm Uh, some other areas uh obviously the run game they relied on the run game a lot over 150 yards on the ground the screen game was nice remember how long it had been since the Raiders had ran screen games and the uh, screen plays and then When Gruden left, I think what Greg Olson called a couple screen passes the first couple games, and everyone was like, oh, my God, the screen is great. You should use it all the time. Well, Josh McDaniels uses it quite a bit, as you saw uh, on Thursday night, and that's something that and I I don't come back to the the radio station and talk about every play that I see in training camp, but I can tell you, Raider Nation, they worked on the screen game a lot. So far, in training camp, that is something that they have been really working on with all the running backs and so when I saw it executed last night, it did not surprise me because again they've been working on it quite a bit in training camp, so some of those are some of the things that stood out to me Damon, you mentioned earlier in the show that uh, t Billy he was one of the guys that stood out to you, and I think T Billy stood out, but not really necessarily in a great way, but more in a there's a still a question mark about him
3: exactly that's what I meant because earlier I mentioned how you talked about Jared Stidham, where you know, teams don't need you to be a 10 all the time yep. if you're going to be a 10 one day and a 3 the next. If you could just be a solid 6 or a 7, that's what they need out of you. And there were some plays where, hey, man, this guy looks pretty good. And then some other days and some other catches out there where he's going up for a catch and he just doesn't come down with it. And like you right. said, every day at training camp, he's like, hey, man, give me the ball. I forget the exact phrase that you use, but I can't like, throw it to myself. He can't throw it to himself. But you got to go out there. And make those catches when the ball is thrown your way if you're only going to get those five targets a game during the right.
1: preseason. Exactly. You've got and that's what, you know, Demarcus Robinson, to his credit, that's what he's done really well throughout the course of his career. He's never been a guy when he was in Kansas City that ever expected to get the ball a lot because look at all the weapons that they had. But when his number was called, you know what he did consistently? He caught the damn ball. And Jared Stidham. Stood in the pocket. You want to you want to learn how not to get a ball thrown your way. Have your quarterback stand in the pocket, stand in the pocket, stand in the pocket. Know a big hit's gonna come. Deliver that ball on a rope right to where it's supposed to be, and you put it on the ground. That's how the ball will stop coming your way. Because why is he gonna take that big shot for you to put the ball on the ground? And I don't I don't mean to sound like I'm you know uh, piling on on T. Billy. But, again, this is me reacting to what I see every day in camp when he always makes an effort to make sure that we know that he's open. Those are the plays. It's one thing to go out there and be a really good practice guy. You know what I did and in, in when I played football, what I did really well? I practiced really well. You know what I didn't do really well? I didn't play very well, right? In the game, I wasn't very good. I, I have no problem admitting that. But, man, I sure worked hard in practice, right, you know, so I could be that guy. Oh, man, practice, I was A1. But in the game, you know, I had mental lapses. I just didn't do what I was supposed to do. And so you know what happened? I became a special teamer really quickly. <laughs> you know, because is, you have one job. Your one job is to get down the field and try to, uh, you know, force a, force a guy to the ground. Get, tackle him. Try to get a loss. Whatever. Be a, a good special teams guy. So that's why football didn't last for me very long. Because I didn't like having have my head on a swivel and not try to get killed. So, yeah. that's. I mean, that's, that you, just, you have to make sure that you secure the rock. I think I saw him tweet out something about Raider Nation, I owe you one, because he put one on the ground. I don't want to hear the my bad stuff, right? My bad. That's something else my football coach told me when I blew it on a coverage. I said, my bad, coach. I don't want to hear my bad. Do it right. Do what you're supposed to do. You know, when I was sitting next to Nick in the the press box last night, we would point out players on both teams, a play that, you know, guys are supposed to make, and and Nick would say, that's going to get you cut. And he wasn't necessarily talking about the Raiders. He, we were talking, like I said, we were talking about the Jaguars as well. There was guys that, you know, would make business decisions. You know, the ball would be right there, and they'd kind of look up and know that a hit's coming, and all of a sudden the ball would hit the ground. That's going to get you cut. Look, this is your time to shine. You want to solidify yourself on the team? You've got to go and make those catches. T. Billy can get open all day long. He's got the speed to kill. But you've got to make the play when the play is there to be made. And, we, and he put two balls on the ground. And now, to his credit, he made a tough catch along the sideline, got his feet down. Josh McDaniels challenged it, won the challenge. I, I was actually I was wrong about that. GM Dave Ziegler asked me in the, in the press box, Q, what's the call? And I said, ah, it's incomplete. I just, you know, I, and, and it wasn't because I didn't think he didn't catch it. I just thought that it was so close that they weren't going to be able to overturn it, and I was wrong. So I looked, at, I looked at Dave Ziegler and said, well, I guess I'm in preseason form too, <laughs> you know, 0-1 on the preseason so far. My bad. But, you know, I wasn't the only one who thought it was a incompletion, but he made that catch, and that was nice, and he made another catch. That was nice, but you've got to, again, like you said, DeMond, you've got to be at least a seven consistently, not a ten one day and a three the next day because that's not going to work out. It just isn't. Teams need to know exactly what they're going to get from you on a consistent basis. You are what you do consistently. You could be a superstar one day and then just be average the next day. Guess who you are? Average. It's just simple. I mean, that's simple. No, simple. I found the
3: tweet, too. I owe you one Raider Nation for show. So, I yeah. mean, he's, he's saying he's saying all the right things.
1: Yeah, okay. Well, you know what I would have liked to seen for T-Billy? I would have liked to seen him walk off to the side of the field and give me 10 push-ups. That's what I would have liked to seen. I don't need to see a tweet about you. I owe you one for show. I would have liked to have seen 10 push-ups for show. Like it used to be back in the day. You put a ball on the ground and you still have to do push-ups. I actually had someone uh, hit me up on the on my podcast line on my voicemail line, and they said that uh, they were a big fan of Denzel Perryman when he was at Miami, uh, University of Miami, and he dropped an interception opportunity, and he did 10 push-ups on the field. Got a flag for it, but he did 10 push-ups on the field. Just, you know, <laughs> hold himself accountable. And I'm not asking him to do that because you don't want, you know, stupid penalties and that. You want to talk about a way to get yourself cut with this regime? Do some stupid stuff, you know, that 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 ends up getting some penalty flags thrown your way for something silly. But I wouldn't have mind if he had, you know, Checked himself out of the game, went right to the sideline, and did 10 push-ups. Hey, I put it on the ground. I can't do that, you know, and expect to be a guy on this team. There's too much talent. Between Matt Collins DeMarcus Marcus Robinson, uh, you got Keelan Cole, who took a big shot last night, and I didn't know if he was going to get back up from me. He took such a big shot, but he he, he took a hit. Uh, helmet to helmet, it should have been called. It wasn't. But, uh, you know, he did he did some pretty good things. He put one on the ground, too, that I was pretty surprised. He's a seasoned veteran. When he put it on the ground, I thought, eh, that looked like a business decision, too. And then next, the next time he had a business decision to make, he, he took it, and I thought, well, damn, maybe he should have got down a little sooner. I mean, it's just it's so tough. You know, I think he was going down, and so was the defender, and it just sucks. That's just how the game of football is 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 played, man. You just – one minute you're in a good position, next minute you guys are banging helmets, and, you know, it's just, it just – it looks all bad. So uh, there was a lot to like about that game. I'll say that. In summary, I feel like that there was a lot to like from the very first preseason game with a brand-new regime and – for a team to not have false starts, not do stuff that they could prevent. You know, I mean, just they, they weren't doing – They weren't again, people have called in and said it, self-inflicting wounds weren't there last night. That is, that is a great takeaway. And it goes back to the conversation we had now, what, a week and a half ago about learning not to lose before you can learn to win. And, every, and not everyone thought that was silly, but, you know, people thought that that was kind of a silly conversation. Now let it come full circle, and that's what the Raiders are doing. They're showing that they know how not to lose, and now they're being coached up to win. Of course, don't want to overreact and get you know do a backflip over one preseason game, but it's a good start to the new regime and to the next you know now now it's, now it's to the next one. Like Art Browse, you say, just chop some more wood, chop chop some more wood. We're just chopping wood every day.
3: <laughs> well, you say that, but I'm just going to say as Jared Siddham would say,
1: I would say Art Browse because I, I know I know where the, the origin came from. Old Coach Briles. Maybe I shouldn't. Maybe someone get mad at me. I better not. Maybe I shouldn't say Coach Briles. Jared Siddham would say, uh, "Chopping wood, chopping wood. So uh, we'd like to hear from you, Raider Nation, 702-365-9200, and also 69187, keyword r That's the Sam and Ash text line. Uh, hit us up with your thoughts. Let's go on out to the phone lines, as a matter of fact. Let's talk to our guy, Gangster Raider. Welcome to the show. What's on your mind, my man?
4: Hey, what's happening, y'all? I'm trying to say what's happening to the Raider Nation. Told y'all it's going to be a glorious season. And we just getting started, you know what I mean? And, um, did you get a ticket away to wait or somebody?
1: I tried to, but it, it gave me an email address I had to log into. Oh, really? Yeah, that's what I said. I was like, "Oh, wait, hold on. I, I don't know this uh, this email address." But luckily, the person that I was going to give it to ended up getting a, a, a had a ticket as well, so they were able to get in. So they were good to go. So we got you.
4: Oh, okay. All yeah. right. Cool. 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 Yeah. But I like the way the defense look. You know what I'm saying? Because. Even though I know they didn't start their starters, the defense looked solid. You know what I mean. The offensive line looked good, except yeah. for, um, Parker. You know what I mean. Everybody else was cool. You know what I mean. Especially Leatherwood. I was surprised. You know at how good he looked. But like I said, I know it wasn't their starters or whatever. Right. You know what I mean. But um, I like everything else. I what I really liked, though was the coaching staff. You see what I mean? You see the difference. What I mean? We got like a professional GM and a professional coaching staff. Now we move with precision and. Like you said, uh, we actually have a screen game now. Imagine that. <laughs> right. You know what I mean?
1: Yep.
4: You know what I mean? But like I said, I, I predicted an undefeated season. I'm still sticking to it. You know what I mean? I might go put a little money down on it because the odds are getting higher and higher. So I'm just trying to wait for it to peak. You know what I mean? And I might put a little money on it. But I'm telling you, because we got the element of surprise. You know what I mean? Don't nobody really know our offensive you know, staff with us. You know what so I'm have They'll have no film on us offensively or defensively. So we got the element of surprise. You know what I mean. So Raider Nation, get ready. We gonna have a glorious season. The notorious also glorious. Raiders, we back. You know what I mean. Let's get ready, and I see you in L.A. at the home opener. Y'all, I'm gone. Keep it gangster.
1: Boom, there he goes, Gangster Raider right there. Uh, nice. I, I like it, man. And, uh, yeah, uh, I, that season opener, man, in L.A. is going to be fun, right? That's going to be fun. Everyone's going to be excited about that uh, rematch of that Week 18 game. And, of course, there's a lot of uh, new players, obviously new coaches. There's a lot of different. There's a lot of new, but it's still Chargers. It's still Raiders. It's still Week 1, September 11th, SoFi Stadium. That'll be fun to get into.
3: Real quick, speaking of putting some money down, it yeah. took all the strength in the world for me to not put down like a good twenty dollars on the Raiders and the over last night. And <laughs> I was like, it's preseason. What if every, what if everybody just goes out and lay an egg? But I was like, I know the Raiders are going to win. They're going to get the over. It's preseason, you know. So they're gonna. It was thirty points, 30 and I, half. Don't, I, I don't like, know man. why.
1: I don't know why you didn't just pick the Raiders. I I, I
3: played the sound from Lee Sterling. I they're, know, that, and that's what convinced me. It was a tier two lock for him.
1: Yeah. Or how you guys phrase it? Level two, level two lock. That's right. Yeah, and look, they were point and a half favorites. And they blew him out. So yeah, you could have won. You some easy money there. So there you go. Yeah, I was I'm, thinking about it. Man. I'm looking. Well, see, you, you study long, you study wrong, brother. You study long, study wrong. Let me get to a couple quick texts real quick. Uh, Vegas Pete hit us up on the 7s text line at six nine one eight seven. Uh, these quarterback tiers are a joke. They put Wilson and Herbert ahead of Carr. Yet Carr is the only quarterback in the NFL to complete sixty six percent and throw for over four thousand yards the last three years. Respect DC. He's elite. That's from Vegas Pete, and that's fine. You know, again, it's not Mike Sando that's coming up with these. It's the people that he talks to. And then he tallies everything together and puts it together, and he leaves the comments that, that they told him and relayed to him. Then he passes them along, and that's why I enjoy him because it's not it's not like it's me coming up with it or you coming up with it. It's people that are involved in the NFL and involved in the league, uh, front offices, coaches, scouts, all that, players, and that's that's where he comes up with it, so – that's why I enjoy talking to him or anyone else who kind of puts these together that are put together in that, in that way. Uh, one more text from Sir Whiskey Ray. Uh, Q&D, happy Friday. And I must say, gentlemen, it was great to have Raiders football back last night. Overall, I was happy with last night's performance. It's preseason football, so I'll take everything in stride. Come week one, let's hope our team is in full strength and ready to roll. What does Sir Whiskey Ray want for his 45th birthday? I want DeMond to give his best impression of Hulk Hogan. That would bring a smile to not only me, but all the listeners here on Radio Nation Radio 920. Thank you from Sir Whiskey Ray. Happy birthday, by the way, 45 years old. That's awesome. And Damon, I, I put you on the spot. I asked you the question, the million dollar question: Do you have a Hulk Hogan impersonation?
3: Oh, I mean, come on! Doesn't everybody? No. You don't. You don't have a, a Hulkster just nah. waiting in the bank?
1: No, no. Well, let me tell you
3: something, brother. <laughs> there you go. I mean, that's all you got. That's it. Yeah, let me tell you something, brother Q. Brother Q, the Raiders last night—they were eating their vitamins and saying their prayers. Not only was Hulkamania running wild, also Zamir Amir White on the field, brother. Do you believe me, Q? Is
1: this I'm, the Hulkster for you? I'm just waiting to hear. Uh, Do you smell what the rock is cooking? I feel like that—that's the next phrase that's coming out. No, Q. That's this is the Hulkster. That's the rock. I would never use that jabroni's catchphrase. <laughs> I'm done. Sir Whiskey Ray, see what you started. Happy birthday. I'm done. 4.34 is the time. We'll take a quick break. Come back. Trayvon Merrick is the guy that we caught up to in the locker room. Divine Diablo is the guy we caught up to in the locker room. You'll hear from both of them next. This is Raider Nation Radio 920.
0: Welcome back back to Unnecessary Roughness.
1: Unnecessary Roughness.
0: Here on Raider Nation Radio 920. I'm
3: going to have to kick you, you know what, today.
0: Here's
1: your boy Q.
3: Last time that
1: I checked. Check. Yes. Five on my neck. Please believe no on my in bro. my travels oh, from the hotel that I'm at right oh. now to oh. Tom oh. Benson oh. Stadium oh. to the Cleveland oh. Airport oh. to back to the hotel. Wherever I've been traveling, that Nipsey Hussle's been uh, loud and proud in the car. Trust and believe that. Shout out to Nip. Last time that I checked. Man, that just gets you going. I had from – The stadium last night, following the game, we did the locker room. You'll hear from Trayvon Merrick and you'll hear from Devon Diablo in just a second. We did locker room access. That was great, right? Fantastic. Some good time in there. Talked to Coach McDaniels for a quick minute. That was good as well. And then went back upstairs and pulled out the equipment and hopped on with Eddie Pascal from Raiders.com to do a post-game podcast as well. And I sat in the booth that new play-by-play voice Jason Horowitz and Lincoln Kennedy sat in as well as they called the game last night. So it was kind of cool that I'm doing a post-game, you know, wrap-up little podcast with Eddie, and I'm doing it from the booth that the new play-by-play voice Jason Horowitz, who's been on the show, uh, you know, he, he, he called the game from. So we did probably about 30, 35-minute conversation uh, just talking about the game, talking about the experience here in Canton, Ohio at the Hall of Fame, all that good stuff. Packed up my stuff after that was over, shut it on down. I messed up because I didn't bring all my equipment with me. I should have brought all my equipment. I could have uh, brought my podcast equipment as well, and I could have knocked out the podcast while I was still at the stadium and then drove back to the hotel. But instead, I didn't, so I only brought my equipment that I can connect to the Raiders studio. I brought that. So I, uh, I had to drive all the way back to the hotel, 40-minute drive back to the hotel. I get in this room that I'm in right now at 1, like 1.57, so basically 2 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> 2 o'clock in the morning, I set up my equipment, and I do a podcast. So shout out to all the people here at the hotel that are not furious at me, because at 2 o'clock in the morning, while everything is quiet and people are sleeping, I'm up here, welcome here, Raider Nation, welcome to another, you know, I'm, I'm doing it up. And I'm still kind of got the adrenaline going because of the game and everything. And I, that's just how I'm wired. Not to mention I have a couple Red Bulls pumping through my veins. So, you know, I'm just – I'm I'm doing that. And nobody said nothing. Nobody complained or anything, so I'm good. So this morning, just to kind of peel back the curtain a little bit further, for some reason the media room – oh, that's the other thing. I wasn't in the media room at Tom Benson Stadium because they're short-staffed. So it's, it, it was it, it basically was going to be closed – by the time I got out of the stadium last night, and it was. I ended up walking through it on my way to the car, and they were like, hey, this is closed. I said, I know, I'm just walking through the car. I said, okay, cool. So they were already done. So I couldn't, even if I brought my equipment, I couldn't have done it there. I could have done it at the stadium, but I couldn't have done it in the media room. Where traditionally, in the media room, usually they have a radio row. You could do all your shows from there. They have, you know, it's just, it's cool. It's not radio row like Super Bowl radio row, but it's just, it's a lot more busy. So this morning... After I wrapped up the podcast, and I think I got to bed at about four thirty this morning, I get a text from Vinny at about I think eight o'clock this morning, obviously Eastern time, and he says, Hey, I'll be at your room at nine because he wants to do he had to do the morning tailgate, and there's no room to do it. The media room is actually closed today. It'll be open tomorrow, but it's literally closed today, which makes no sense to me at all. So at the Tom Benson Stadium in the media room Right where everyone that's traveled from who knows where to be in attendance and cover the Hall of Fame, it is literally closed today because they're short-staffed. So if you're looking for a job and you're in the Canton area, (laughs) maybe you want to hit up the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Just saying. Just throwing it out there. But, so Vinny is here early this morning, and him and Clay are, you know, doing the, the morning tailgate show. He's here using the equipment that I'm on right now. So... I also have another podcast, the Locked On NFL podcast that I have to do on Friday mornings. I also do Locked On Bets every morning. So before Vinny gets here, I sat at this desk and I knock out Locked On Bets. Then he gets here and I still have Locked On NFL I have to do. So I went down the hallway and I sweet talked the lady at the front to allow me to do the show Locked On NFL from the kitchen area you know where where people eat their breakfast and everything but breakfast was not being served anymore so i found a nice table to conveniently sit at in the corner so i'm yapping along i'm doing my thing i was like hey it's going to uh, uh, you know i'm just going to do an interview it'll be like 20 30 minutes and she's like yeah no problem so i'm about 15 minutes into it and i don't know uh what chris carter said that made me say something loud and make me laugh but you know how it gets when i get loud and all of a sudden man she must have hit the corner and said shh and I'm like, I'm not in the damn library, <laughs> you know? I'm thinking, wait a minute. I just told you. You saw me carry all my equipment in here. You, you, you know that I'm, you know, I got a headset on with a microphone in my face. Like, you know, I'm talking. So anyway, but she was doing me a solid. So I was like, all right, no problem. You know, I just kind of gave her a smile. I was like, yeah, I got you. So I tried to be quiet a little bit. So I'm knocking that out. Vinny's knocking out a show. So it's like I'm thinking of this hotel that we're in. I'm like, this is like a damn studio, right? We got a morning show going on in my room. Got my man Steve Foster, who also does radio right across the hallway from me. Like I'm in room 102, he's in room 103. You know what I mean? Like right across the hallway. That's not our real number. I was just throwing it out there. So anyway, uh <laughs> someone's like, oh, I know where Q's at. <laughs> I'm surprised that no one called in a complaint on you. They haven't. And so that's why I gotta give him props, man. Like I'm last year I had a terrible experience at the hotels that I, I attempted to stay at here, but you know, this, this hotel I'm at, this is the Hawthorne, man. I got a shout-out to the Hawthorne, man. They, they've, they've treated me well. And so I'm doing a show now, obviously, and then I have ESPN National to do in an hour after I get off, the, off of this show. But the problem is, normally when I do ESPN National, I'm on the West Coast. So if I do fill in for Freddie and Fitzsimmons like I'm doing tonight, it's from 6 p.m. to 10 p.m. Well, since I'm here on the East Coast, it's 9 p.m. to 1 a.m. So I'm going to still be doing radio super late from this very seat. So there you go.
3: That's going to be the one with somebody like a, around 12 o'clock. Room 103, uh, could you just like, keep it down just a little? Somebody, <laughs> It might be somebody who's there for the Hall of Fame, too, that's just like, hey, man, I get it. We right. all fired up.
1: <laughs> but uh, some of us got to sleep. But enough is enough. Man, <laughs> damn. Don't you ever shut up? <laughs>
3: Ain't nobody so, trying to hear that, man. Right. You ain't that good. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I've heard everything I need to hear about the damn Raiders. Shut up. <laughs> I can hear it, man. I can hear it coming down the pipeline. They're going to be glad when I check out. I'll be on that first thing smoking back to uh, Las Vegas. I should land in Vegas at 7 a.m. on Sunday morning. So. I'll be glad to get back, I'll tell you that. But it's been fun, so shout-out to Subaru of Las Vegas as well for uh, allowing us to be here and hooking us up. Check them out, Subaru, of Las Vegas.com. You're looking for a, a new ride, a, you know, a, a pre-owned ride. whatever. They're going to get you hooked up and getting taken care of. Let them know that I sent you. Like you say Q, said it gone, check you out, and they'll hook you up. So, with that being said, now that you know the tales of my stories and everything that I got going on here uh, in Canton, Ohio, I actually was inv- invited to the baseball game to go to tonight, the Astros and the Indians, and because I have to do a radio show, I can't go. Currently, in the top, at uh, the bottom of the second, it is one to one. <laughs> so uh, I'm watching Q. it, oh, uh, that team doesn't exist anymore. <laughs> oh, that's right, that's right. it's right. I forgot. It's not the Indians; it's the Guardians. That's right. Damn it, my bad. That's why I need to be there so I can educate myself. Right, learn that. The, I, I'll never get used to saying that. Uh, the Washington football team. Uh, what are they? The what are they? The, the commanders, commanders yeah. Yeah, I can. I'm a little bit more used to that, but the the this uh this other team, these guys, I yeah, I'm not used to them at all. What are they again?
3: The guardians.
1: Yeah, the guardians. I forgot that quick.
3: <laughs> the to protect and serve. I don't know what they're afraid like. Or the they're guardians. afraid of winning
1: because they suck.
3: <laughs> That's the Astros, though. Come on. I mean, well, they, no, they the Astros and, are really good. Yeah. yeah. No,
1: I, yeah. I'm not. I'm not. I'm trying to see. Let me see what the record is. Actually, we had to play on this game for locked on bets today. Uh, Or maybe we didn't. maybe that was yesterday. I don't know. All my days are running together. So there you go. Uh, Anyway, I don't think the Indians are very good. I thought the Guardians, damn it. 54 and 51, above 500. Oh, okay. That's not too bad. That's not too bad. I'm going to stop talking about them because I keep getting their name wrong. So I feel disrespectful. So I'm not. And people are going to think I'm doing it on purpose. I'm really not. I'm just, just. I just can't help myself. It's hard to break old habits, I guess. (laughs) Anyway, last night in the locker room, had an opportunity to catch up to a couple defensive guys, second-year dudes. Devon Diablo was one of them, the linebacker. uh, He was safety-turned linebacker, and he got a little bit of burn at the end of the season. And uh, he's coming back, and he's looking like he knows what he's doing. He was calling the shots last night. Uh, You know, he was lining up the defense. And then Trayvon Merrick on the back end, man, he looks like, he looks the part as well. It looks like he's definitely uh, the game has slowed down a little bit for him, and he's getting more comfortable. So let's go ahead and start out with Trayvon Merrick because we all know DBs win games. So we're going to start out with the second year guy from TCU. Here's Trayvon Merrick in the locker room following the Raider game.
0: Finally getting that
2: chance to get out there and actually hit. And right, right. How good is that?
0: Oh, feels great. You know, just like you said, just go back out there and you know, just you know, do what football is all about. Really, you know, in practice you gotta, you know kind of taper it back and make sure everybody's healthy. But you know, we got to go out there tonight and everybody
1: to perform, so it was fun. You guys look like you're picking up Patrick Graham's scheme pretty quickly.
0: Um, You know, everybody's just trying to work, you know, work at it. You know, it's it's something we're going to practice all year round, so, I mean, nobody's going to be perfect at it. We just got to keep striving for it. So, um, you know, I think everybody's, you know, trying to, pick up the concepts, so I think everybody's doing a good job with that. Obviously, like you said, perfection, that's not going to necessarily happen, especially right. this time of year. Right. right. But for a first time out, how did it feel out there for you guys? Oh, it felt good. I mean, you know, saw some of the new guys, some of the young guys come in there and, you know, do their job and do what they are supposed to do, so, um, you know, just, you see that, you know, improvement every day coming in tomorrow and watching the film, you know, it's going to be a good do- good day for him. Do so. you feel
1: like the, the game
0: has slowed down for you personally being your second year now? Um, I mean, it's hard to say, you know, to, to really go out there and, you know, have a couple snaps like that. But, um, you know, that's something that I do want to focus on, you know, just slowing the game down. Um, you know, just whether that be just watching more film or whatever. But um, yeah,
1: even in training camp, I mean, you were you know doing one on ones against Waller, and we, <laughs> we were sitting there watching, saying, okay, yeah, yeah how, how much is I mean, how much better does that help you when you're going up against yeah. a guy like him?
0: No, it's fun competing against Waller. You know, he's a great athlete. Um, you know, he's just a good guy to compete against. You know, he's gonna come in every day and work me and I'm gonna work him so you know iron sharpens iron and that's what we try to do every day during one-on-one to practice so a guy you came in with in
2: your draft class uh Diablo seemed like he yeah. had a really nice night he's making the yeah. calls out there sure yeah. tackler yeah. well what, what what have you seen out of him as far as his improvement over the last year so
0: um man Didi just shows up every day you know just wants to improve He um, shows up early to to facility and just wants to get better you know um, learning picking up everything picking up the new defense and then when it's just time to go out there and do his thing, you know, he's going to be ready for it. So um, I think he's making big improvements for that. So
1: There you go. Second-year guy, Trayvon Merrick. And uh, you hear him talking about the defense, talking about going up in, against Darren Waller in one-on-one drills in training camp. And I'll tell you right now, between Nate Hobbs going up against Devontae Adams in one-on-one drills and Trayvon Merrick going up against Darren Waller in one-on-one drills, I mean, all you could do is you can't help but to get better. Right? I mean, you just you absolutely can't help but to get better. When you're working alongside someone that is great or going up against someone that is great, you're just going to get better even if it's on accident. And so I just think that you see these guys out there competing and they just look like they are, are way more comfortable in, in what they're supposed to be doing. And when I talk about them, I'm not talking about the Adams and I'm not talking about Waller. I'm talking about the second-year guys, the young dudes. I'm talking about Trayvon Merrick. I'm talking about Divine Diablo, you know, those kind of guys. Nate Hobbs looks so comfortable. I mean, I, I, I would love for one person to call in and tell me that Nate didn't look comfortable outside.
3: <laughs> <laughs> but it's like he always says, you know, last season was his first season at slot. He's been playing on the outside his whole
1: life. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And to me, it's probably his better position. You know, but the good thing is with him having that year of the slot under his belt, I don't feel like there's something he can't do.
3: Mm-hmm, because, like, if you could put him, give him the truth serum, I think he would prefer – to play on the outside. But right. like he said earlier when you asked him in the locker room, he's going to play wherever the team wants him to play. And, right. that's, and that's to his benefit that he is Johnny on the spot. He can do it all. Or let's say that Rams game, hey, you're going to be on Cooper Cup in the slot. Another yeah. game, hey, you're going to be the guy on the outside on whatever team's best receiver that they're going to have on. Exactly. The, like, you know, oh, that Niners game? Just follow Debo around everywhere.
1: Man. Like, come you know on, what? man. <laughs> how, how fun would that be? How fun would that be? And I know that's the end of the season, but how fun would it be to see Nate Hobbs and, and Debo Samuel lined up against each other all game. Because he's physical enough to, if they use him as a running back or give him a ball in like a jet sweep, Nate don't have no problem going in there and making a tackle. He puts his head in there and he'll, he'll, he'll tackle you. He has no problem being physical. That would be a lot of fun. <laughs> I kind of want to just fast forward to that game, but that's the end of the season, so I don't want to do that either. But you heard Trayvon Merrick and you heard from uh, Case Keeler right there. He asked about Divine Diablo. He's another guy, again, calling the plays last night defensively. That's big time. Second-year guy calling the plays last night. Here's Devon Diablo in the Raiders locker room.
2: Pitching a shout out in that first half, not give up any points until later in the game.
0: How good does that feel defensively just to kind of be on the same page and be able to do that in the first It felt moment? good. That was uh, one of the main goals coming in, just being disciplined, lining up where we need to be and uh, making tackles. Uh, talking to Nate, um, as a defensive player, you're not allowed to talk, tackle in practice. And all of a sudden, you've got to turn that light on in the game. The do you time? enjoy that part of the game? And is it refreshing to finally get out there and start <laughs> I do tackling. enjoy that part of the game. It's hard to, um, like you said, we can't practice in tackle. I mean, Tackle in practice, so it was hard getting in the field. But I, as soon as we got it, we picked it up. After that,
1: I feel like you guys are getting on the same page pretty quickly. I mean, it hasn't been very long since you guys been out there practicing <laughs> training camp, and you guys are flying around tonight.
0: Yes, sir. Um, we took training camp very seriously. Uh, been on the same page,
1: communicating, um, knowing your leverage. We just took that very seriously, so it can be easy out there on the field. How do you feel personally after having a year under your belt? I mean, you were able to play last season, and now since you're coming back in your second year, you feel like you it, it just is like second nature to you.
0: Um. It's getting there. I've improved, improved a lot, of course, but um, I'm still working hard every day to get better.
2: Your coach had a nice little homecoming tonight. Uh, how good did it feel to, to cap it all off by giving him a win here? It, it
0: felt amazing. I knew how much it meant for him. Knew, I'm sure the, the rest of the team knew as well, so I'm glad we got the win for him.
1: There you go. Devon Diablo, second-year guy. and uh, I, I, I just enjoyed listening to him and even just kind of watching his body language. You heard a couple questions that we asked. I mean, he was laughing. I, I mean, he was just laughing because – you know he he I think he was not surprised himself, but he realizes that we all noticed that they all looked like they knew the part and they knew what they were supposed to be doing you know so he kind of just was laughing about a couple things in, in not a disrespectful way, just a yeah, hey, we're figuring this thing out, you know, and it's nice to be able to tackle someone because in practice, like he said, they're not tackling folks they're not now they go through drills so they can you know have the fundamentals down, but they're not tackling to the ground because again they want to make sure everyone stays healthy. So I'm looking forward to the locker room all year. I mean, I really am looking forward to it. Uh, That conversation that we just had with Devon Diablo four or five weeks from now is going to be three or four minutes, and his answers are going to get a lot longer because he's going to all of a sudden be a lot more comfortable with us and, you know, know what kind of uh, people we are, and we'll know who he is. And, you know, it's just that's, again, the relationships will will be formed this year in that Raiders locker room and having the opportunity to bring that back to the table and bring it back to you so you can hear and take, a, you know, take a, a peek behind the curtains is always a lot of fun. Real quick, got a couple texts I want to get to. Glenn in San Jose said, what up, Q and DeMond? Outside of the obvious, the biggest thing I noticed last night, no false starts on offense. They showed discipline and seemed really comfortable with the new playbook. And then Gizmo said, what's up, Q, what's up, DeMond? No one's speaking on it, but I just wanted to say last night, Canton brought the lightning, and our new play-by-play, Jason Horowitz, brought the thunder. I listened to the call and thought that Lincoln and Horowitz really brought the energy and power for game zero. Just thought I'd shout that out. Looking forward to listening in for the next game. Let's go Raiders. So I think that's the way to end the show right there. Real good tech from Geese Mode talking about Jason Horowitz and Lincoln Kennedy did a great job on the call for the first time, and it's only going to get better. So, Tamon, fantastic job. Great week from Canton. We'll talk early in the morning tomorrow, 8 a.m. to 9 a.m. We'll have the special from Canton, Ohio special, the Cliff Branch special, as we lead you into Hall of Fame and Shryman. So So, uh, until tomorrow morning, we'll catch you, Raider Nation. Appreciate you. Have a great night.